0: Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living a Course in Miracles. This is Season 5, and it's called The Book Club. We're on Chapter 12, Continued. Welcome back. It doesn't matter where you live. Everyone has family heritages that come from somewhere else, especially if you live in North America, which was once the New World. It was discovered and founded by Europeans. Canada is made up of of a cultural melting pot of blended heritages. My family heritage is from Britain and Ireland. My grandparents on my mother's and father's sides were either English or Irish. This week I'm traveling to Ireland to discover some of that heritage. On my personal journey to discovering my divinity, I was drawn to the energy of the Emerald Isle. This has been a goal of mine for quite some time. I look forward to this physical journey when energies are felt and explored, it can be a spiritual journey, a kind of vision quest. I have a direction for my trip, but not a destination. I'll let the wind take me where I need to go. It is much, it's not much different from the way I live my life here. Life is a journey, not a destination. Living in the moment requires that you pay attention to the now. Today we'll cover chapter 12, the Holy Spirit's Curriculum, I will cover five sections, The the Vision of Christ, Looking Within, The Attraction of Love for Love. We're going to start Chapter 13, The Guiltless World, do the Introduction and Guiltlessness and Vulnerability. So let's begin. In my book that's on page 227, The Vision of Christ, paragraph one, the ego is trying to teach you how to gain the world, whole world, and lose your own soul. The Holy Spirit teaches that you cannot lose your soul and there is no gain in the world. For of itself, it profits nothing. Sentence 6, a little further down, says you cannot sell your soul, but you can sell your awareness of it. You cannot perceive your soul, but you will not know it while you perceive something else as more valuable. Paragraph 2 says the Holy Spirit is your strength because he knows nothing but the Spirit as you. He's perfectly aware that you do not know yourself and perfectly aware of how to teach you to remember, next page, 228, what you are. Paragraph three says, you do not want the world. The only thing of value in it is whatever part of it you look upon with love. This gives it the only reality it will ever have. Its value is not of itself but yours is in you. As self-value comes from self-extension, so does the perception of self-value come from the extension of loving thoughts outward. Make the world real unto yourself, for the real world is the gift of the Holy Spirit, and so it belongs to you. Paragraph 4. Correction is for all who cannot see. To open the eyes of the blind is the Holy Spirit's mission, for he knows that they have Not lost their vision, but merely asleep. He would awaken them from the sleeping of forgetting to the remembering of God. Paragraph 5 says When you have seen this real world, you will surely, as you will surely do, you will remember us. Yet you must learn the cost of sleeping and refuse to pay it. Only then will you decide to awaken and then the real world will spring to your sight, for Christ has never slept. Next page, paragraph six at the top says, every child of God is one in Christ, for his being is in Christ as Christ is in God. Christ's love for you is his love for his Father, which he knows because he knows his Father's love for him. I'm going to just fix that one and Basically say, he's referring to that he is no different than us. He is our brother, and as he loves God, so do we. Sentence five says, As you perceive more and more common elements in all situations, the transfer of training under the Holy Spirit's guidance increases and becomes generalized. Generally, you learn to apply it to everyone and everything, for its applicability is universal. And paragraph seven says, What is one cannot be perceived as separate, and the denial of the separation is the reinstate sorry, yeah, reinstatement of knowledge. And then the last sentence in that paragraph says, Heaven is your home, and being in God, it must also be in you. So that is that section, which is the vision of Christ. On page 229 of my book, Looking Within is the next section. Paragraph 1 starts with, Miracles demonstrate that learning has occurred under the right guidance, for learning is invisible, and what has been learned can be recognized only by its results. Next page. Paragraph 2 says, Everyone in the world must play his part in its redemption, in order to recognize that the world has been redeemed. Paragraph 3 says the Holy Spirit is invisible, but you can see the results of His presence, and through them you will learn that He is there. What He enables you to do is clearly not of this world, for miracles violate every law of reality as this world judges it. Every law of time and space, of magnitude and mass, is transcended. For what the Holy Spirit enables you to do is clearly beyond all of them. Perceiving His results, you will understand where He must be and finally know what He is. Paragraph 4 says, You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see His manifestations. Sentence 6, a little further down, says, do the, do the Holy Spirit's work, for you share in His function. As your function in heaven is creation, so your function on earth is healing. God shares His function with you in heaven, and the Holy Spirit shares is with you on earth. Paragraph 5 says, You see what you expect and you expect what you invite. Your perception is, is the result of your invitation coming to you as you send for it. Sent for it. Whose manifestations would you see? Paragraph 6 at the bottom says, I am the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and when you see me, it will be because you've invited him, for he will send you his witnesses if you will look upon them. Remember always that what that you see what you seek, for what you seek you will find. The ego, next page, finds what it seeks and only that. It does not find love, for that is not what it is seeking. Paragraph 7 says, I said before that what you project or extend is up to you, but you must Do one or the other, for that is the law of the mind, and you must look in before you look out. As you look in, you choose the guide for seeing, and then you look out and behold his witnesses. This is why you find what you seek. What you want in yourself, you will make manifest, and you will accept it from the world because you put it there by wanting it. It goes back to that what you seek, you will find. That's where that expression came from. You know, it's, it comes from the inner. Whatever we put out is what we're looking for. So we have to remember that. Paragraph eight says, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. The contradictory nature of the witnesses you perceive is merely the reflection of your conflicting invitations. Paragraph nine at the bottom says, the power of your of decision is your. One remaining freedom as a prisoner of this world, you can decide to see it right. What you made of it is not its reality, for its reality is only what you give it. You cannot really give anything but love to anyone or anything, nor can you really receive anything but love from them. If you think you have received anything else, it is because you have looked within and thought you saw the power to give something else within yourself. It was only this decision that determined, next page, what you found. For it was this decision for what you sought. Paragraph 11. When you have accepted your mission to extend peace, you will find peace. For by making it manifest, you will see it. Paragraph 12 says, when you look within and see me... It will be because you've decided to manifest truth. And as you manifest it, you will see it both without and within. You will see it without because you saw it first within. Everything you behold without is a judgment of what you beheld within. If it is your judgment, it will be wrong, for your judgment is not your function. If it is your judgment of the Holy Spirit, it will be right for Judgment is his function. You share his function only by judging as he does, receiving no judgment at all for yourself. You will judge against yourself, but he will judge for you. <laughs> so that sounds a little bit confusing, I think, when I read that. But what it's trying to basically explain is that everything you need is within, and everything you project out is is a representation of you and nobody else. And I always say this to friends and family when they um, experience some sort of physical or verbal attack from somebody else and they get all upset and say, you know, this person said this and this to me. And I'm always reminding them that that is a reflection of that person and never a reflection of you. And that goes the same way, reverse way. When we get angry at people, when when we get frustrated and when we are anything but peaceful, and we extend that out. That is just about us. That's never about that other person. And an, an ego keeps telling us that when somebody does that to us, that is about us. Never is it about us. Next page, paragraph 14, says the ego is not a traitor to God, to whom treachery is impossible, but it is a traitor to you, who believe that you have been treacherous to your father. Yes, yes. That is why the undoing of guilt is an essential part of the Holy Spirit's teaching. For as long as you feel guilty, you are listening to the voice of the ego, which which tells you that you've been treacherous to God and therefore deserve death. You will think that death comes from God and not from the ego, because by confusing yourself with the ego, you believe that you want death. And from what you want, God does not save you. Paragraph 15, when you are tempted to yield to the desire for death, remember that I did not die. You will realize that this is true when you look within and see me. Would I have overcome death for myself alone? And would eternal life have been given me of the Father unless he had also given it to you? When you learn to make me manifest, you will never see death. For you will have looked upon the deathless in yourself and you will see only the eternal as you look out upon a world that cannot die. Next section. Well, actually, before I start the next section, well, this is kind of a big section, looking within. Again, the message is the same. The message is everything you need is within. You have to go on that journey first in order to go on the one where you where you teach and where you extend to other people. You can't extend love if you don't have it within you. It has to be an inside job first. So the attraction of love for love is the next section. I didn't do the first, I didn't write anything down for the first paragraph, but the second paragraph goes like this. God's son uh, is as safe as his father for the son knows his father's protection and cannot fear. His Father's love holds him in perfect peace, and needing nothing, he asks for nothing. Yet he is far from you, whose self he is, for you chose to attack him, and he disappeared from your sight into his Father. Paragraph 3 says, when you made visible what is not true, what is true became visible, invisible to you. (laughs) That's a good, that's actually a good line. Uh, When you made visible what is not true, what is true became invisible to you. Paragraph 4 says, Because of your father's love, you can never forget him, for no one can forget what God himself placed in his memory. You can deny it, but you cannot lose it. A voice will answer every question you ask, and a vision will correct the perception of everything you see. Last sentence in that same paragraph says, "It, it sentence 8 says, It is no more past than future, being forever always. And then paragraph 6 says, Son of God, be not content with nothing. What is not real cannot be seen and has no value. God could not offer his Son what has no value, nor could his Son receive it. And then the last paragraph on the next page, which is 235, is paragraph 8, and it says this. The real world was given you by God in loving exchange for the world you made and the world you see. Only take it from the hand of Christ and look upon it. Its reality will make everything else invisible, for beholding it is total perception. And as you look upon it, you will remember that it is was always so. Nothingness will become invisible, for you will at last have seen truly. Redeemed perception is easily translated into knowledge, for only perception is capable of error, and perception has never been. Being corrected, it gives place to knowledge, which is forever the only reality. The atonement is but the way back to what was never lost. Your father could not cease To love his son. Okay, so that's actually the end of chapter 12. And the attraction of love for love, again, goes back to that, you know, listening to the voice within and asking questions and waiting for answers. Because that's the guidance we need. And that's the guidance that is true for us. Not the ego that wants to judge everything we see. So, chapter 13 start, is called The Guiltless World. The introduction goes like this. I actually started on the second sentence of the introduction, which is, It is the judgment of one mind by another as unworthy of love and deserving of punishment. But herein lies the split. For the mind that judges perceive itself as separate from the mind being judged, believing that by punishing another it will s- escape punishment. Ah, you know what that is? That is when people feel the need to um, judge other people based on their own perception of what's right and wrong. That's what that's basically saying. So if you're acting like the righteous person and you're going around judging people and telling them what they're doing is wrong, a part of you is doing that just for self-preservation because you think if you call out the wrong, then that's going to make it you look better in God's eyes. That's not how it works. That's how we were taught it works. That's not how it works. Paragraph two, the acceptance of guilt into the mind of God's son was the beginning of the separation. And the acceptance of the atonement is its end. The world you see is the delusional system of those made mad by guilt. Look carefully at this world and you will realize that this is this is so. For this world is the symbol of punishment and all the laws that seem to govern it are the laws of death. Paragraph 3, sentence 5, says, Only the world of guilt could demand this, for only the guilty could conceive of it. Adam's sin could have could have touched no one had he not believed it was the Father who drove him out of paradise. For in that belief, the knowledge of the Father was lost since only those who do not understand him could believe it. Paragraph four at the bottom says, the world is a picture of the crucifixion of God's son. And next page, and until you realize that God's son cannot be crucified, this is the world you will see. That's the introduction. That's a good statement, a big statement. And it's very true. You know, this is a world where where it is a picture of the crucifixion of Christ, right? Because that's our guilt. You know, we crucified our brother, the son of God. And by doing that, that made us bad people from now on. And we're always looking for redemption. The message here is that you can't crucify someone who is eternal and never dies. That message we never got. And the last section I'm going to cover today is called guiltlessness and invulnerability. Paragraph one. Earlier, I said that the Holy Spirit shares the goal of all good teachers whose ultimate aim is to make themselves unnecessary by teaching their pupils all they know. Sentence. No, I'm going to keep going. The Holy Spirit wants only this. For sharing the Father's love for his Son, he seeks to remove all guilt from his mind that he may remember his Father in peace. Peace and guilt are antithetical antithetical, which means opposing I'm going to say it as that peace and guilt are opposing and the father can be and the father can be in peace peace, oh, I read that wrong peace and guilt are opposing and the father can be remembered only in peace sorry Love and guilt cannot coexist, and to accept one is to deny the other. Paragraph 3. As you look upon yourself and judge what you do honestly, you may be tempted to wonder how you can be guiltless. Yet consider this. You are not guiltless in time, but in eternity. You have sinned, this is in quotation marks, in the past, but there is no past. Always has no direction. Time seems to go in one direction but when you reach its end it will roll up like a rug like a long carpet spread along the past behind you and will disappear. Next page. No, bottom of the page. Of page 237. Paragraph uh, paragraph 4. Sentence 2 says The father is not cruel and his son cannot hurt himself. The retaliation That he fears and that he sees will never touch him. For although he believes in it, the Holy Spirit knows it is not true. Next page, 238. The Holy Spirit stands at the end of time where you must be because he is in you. Paragraph 6, sentence 6 at the bottom says, Only out of love he was created and in love he abides. Goodness and mercy have always followed him. For he has always extended the love of his Father. Paragraph 7 says, As you perceive the holy companions who travel with you, you will realize that there is no journey but only an awakening. The Son of God, who sleepeth not, has kept faith with his Father for you. There is no road to travel on and no time to travel through. Paragraph 8 says, You are invulnerable because you are guiltless. You can hold on to the past only through guilt. For guilt establishes that you will be punished for what you have done and thus depends on one-dimensional time proceeding from past to future. No one who believes this can understand what always means. And therefore guilt must deprive you of the appreciation of eternity. You are immortal because you are eternal and always must be now. Guilt, then, is a way of holding past and future in your mind, next page, to ensure the ego's continuity. For if what has been will be punished, the ego's continuity, continuity is guaranteed. Paragraph 9 says, accepting the atonement teaches you that immortali- what immortality is. For by accepting your guiltlessness, you learn that the past has never been. So the future is needless and will not be. That's how I end this. So this section called guiltlessness and invulnerability, trying to remind us that there is no guilt, that that living in the past and feeling guilty about what happened or any things you said or did is not real. And you have to let that go. And invulnerability suggesting that we are invulnerable. We have no vulnerabilities, only if we believe them. And that's what the ego's job is, is to make us believe we're vulnerable and to make us believe we're guilty. Okay, so that is all I have for today. We'll continue with Chapter 13 in two weeks, The Guiltless World. I will cover the following sections. The Guiltless Son of God. The Fear of Redemption. The Function of Time. The Two Emotions and finding the present. My online book club on Wednesday evenings is at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If anyone's interested in joining, please email me. There's no cost involved and I will send you the link. Thank you for listening. I can be contacted by email at trifectanow3 at gmail.com. If you'd like to ask a question, share a comment or just say hello. Thanks for sharing the love. Remember, this is our journey. Let us together find our way. Live in this moment. It's the only one that truly matters. Always love, Denise.